Welcome to Kubrick Group's Data Balance podcast. Each month, we'll be interviewing a variety of talented and inspiring people who use data and technology in their career. We'll be discussing diversity challenges and opportunities across the industry, and we'll be shining a light on ways to create a more diverse team and all the advantages that diversity brings when creating teams to solve complex problems. Today, we'll be discussing racial inequality in data with our exceptional guest speaker, Asif Sadiq. Asif is a multi-award winning diversity and inclusion expert with over 15 years of industry experience. He's the head of diversity, inclusion and belonging for The Telegraph and has held similar roles at EY and the City of London Police. Racial inequality is a topic rarely discussed in the data industry, but a topic that is extremely important. Therefore, we'll be talking to Asif about his views on racial inequality in the data industry, how he thinks that the lack of racial inequality in the industry is affecting data results and how we can all make a positive change. So, Asif, hi. Hello. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Um, So, could you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. So, so I think, uh, you know, with that introduction, I'll probably tell you a bit more about me as a person. Yes, please. So, uh, I'm I'm a father of two young kids, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. That's my biggest challenge currently. (laughs) Uh, From my name, people can probably tell that I am of a diverse background. Interestingly, uh, interestingly, it's uh, usually people think I'm South Asian, but I'm actually from Kenya, East Africa, and yeah, and live outside of London now. But yeah, I spend a lot of years in London. Brilliant. Um, so just going off the title you currently hold at the moment, um, so you are head of diversity, inclusion, and belonging for the Telegraph. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting title. So the word that jumps out to me there is belonging. Sure. Where do you think that fits sure. in, in organisations, in, in professional life? And how do you think we can bring that into the conversation on racial diversity? Definitely. So I think one of the one of the reasons actually that I focused on belonging, and I, I'm, I'm doing a lot of work around, you know, getting to the belonging piece. Traditionally, over the years, a lot of organisations have focused on diversity and inclusion. Mm. Yeah, and even when they look at the data, it's like, you know, we've got 40% women in our organisation. Mm. What does that really mean? Mm. You know, it doesn't mean that they feel included or they have a sense of belonging. Mm. And then actually the challenge with inclusion, which a lot of companies now have moved on to from diversity, is that inclusion means you've got a seat on the table. It doesn't mean you've been your authentic self, you've got trust, you've got a voice. Belonging is all about bringing your true self to work, having trust, and it's something we all grow up with from a very young age. But there's a lot of research that proves that if people have a sense of belonging, then they're three and a half times more productive, there's more innovation, so there's, and, and this is not research that, you know, it's quite independent research that's proved this. So belonging here is a great concept because it's actually getting the true value from diversity as opposed to just the statistics. Absolutely. That's a really key point. So, I mean, last month we sat down with um, Devon Edwards. So she is a data engineer um, at Lloyd's and we spoke about gender diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, given the key research and the key information that you're surfacing and that you're mentioning now, why do you think race isn't being discussed? Why do you think belonging isn't at the forefront of our conversation? And why do you think racial diversity isn't a topic we'll be more aware and, and working on towards? So I think one of the challenges around uh, race or perceived challenges that people have when it comes to race is um, there's a lot of sensitivity. People want to be politically correct and say the right things. Mm-hmm. And that's a barrier because when it comes to gender, people are now comfortable because of the work that's been done around gender over the years to talk about gender. Race makes people panic, yet people forget what's the purpose of what we're trying to achieve, right? And people, I've spoken to leaders in numerous organisations and they've always said, well, you know, how do we approach the race conversation? And I'm like, how would you approach any other conversation? Mm. It's exactly the same. Mm. There is no right or wrong answer. As long as your intent is right, you can get it right. 
Um, the second challenge is, uh, you probably heard the term BME, BAME, and um, the, the challenge is that people, or that, that, that sort of box that we created, and this is one of my big things with diversity, actually, we've got a lot of boxes, but they don't represent everyone, or we try to fit people into a box. Now, the BAME box, or the BME box, the challenge is it's a very large group of people, mm-hmm. you know, black minority ethnic or black Asian minority ethnic. We can't put them together. And when we do put them together, it becomes very difficult to understand what their needs are, you know, how to measure them, how to support them. So, so I think those two challenges make it quite, quite difficult. One, the fear of talking about race. Uh, the second, the lack of understanding because of the group is and how we bring it together. That's a really good point. So you mentioned that I think the racial conversation is new to the industry and we're not quite used to, to talking about and addressing the topic. How do you think um, the lack of racial equality perhaps in the industry, well, do you think there's a lack of racial equality in the industry? Sure, sure. So, so I think because of uh, some of these barriers and challenges that I've highlighted, there, there is a lack of uh, true inclusion or belonging within organisations because um, we sometimes, as, as I mentioned, we, we, we live off some data and not understand really the, the, the challenges within that. Mm-hmm. And just to give you an example, so if we took, let's say, BME, recruitment, retention and progression within any organisation, um, a lot of organisations will say they're doing quite well, especially let's, let's, let's take financial services. Yeah. A lot of organisations will say they're doing a great job and that you know, the BME recruitment's better or good. However, when you start breaking that BME recruitment down, you'll find that the majority of the people joining are from certain ethnic minority communities, but representation from the black community is usually in the single percentage figures. Now, the challenge with that is then when we later go on to look at how do we support these staff and how do we create equality within the workplace, we are producing, um, whether we look at them as development programs or you know, progression programs, whatever you want to call them, based on stereotypes of what this whole community needs. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been in situations many, many years ago where you know, um, I, I've, I've you know, got an email saying, oh, you're going to go on this program to support you and be more confident. Now, not every single person looks like me. Their weakness is confidence. <laughs> but when we start stereotyping and grouping, then we assume the needs of that community are based on that. So I think that's, that's been the danger. Plus, we, we assume that people identify with their ethnicity, and that's not always the case. So, like, as I mentioned earlier on, I've got a young family. My biggest challenge currently in the workplace is not my race. I've grown up this colour, so it's not changed. I've managed <laughs> to navigate it. But my challenge is a young family. Mm. But on paper, people will assume what my challenge is race and talk to me about race. So it's that understanding intersectionality. And, you know, it could be that someone's female, black, um, gay, mm. you know, has a disability. Which one's important? So that's why we're not getting equality because we're basing it on what our perception is rather than what's important to the individuals themselves. And why do you think why do you think racial equality is important for the industry? Well, to be honest, you know, um, over the years there's been a lot of conversations around you know DNI being being the right thing to do or you know racial equality being being being, being, um, being the ethical thing, ethical thing, right? Absolutely. The moral case around yeah. it. However, now it's a business imperative. It's not an option. It's not a choice. It either makes you more money or it makes you lose money. And I'll just explain the two, right? So profitability, it's, there's numerous examples of companies where they've taken uh, racial equality and and implemented it as part of their strategies and it's generating more income from them. There's also numerous examples of where companies have got it wrong and the the, the, the sort of impact of that um, and and how that's that's created this, you know, uh, really sort of uh, tarnished brand and you know 
recently there's been examples of artificial intelligence going wrong and you know what kind of impact that's had. There's been examples of product design or designed products which have had a negative impact on race mm-hmm. or perception around it, and that's made companies lose money. So I think now it's a business imperative. It makes you more money. So it's not even an option. Uh, plus innovation. You know, every company is struggling to be more innovative, get better products, better designs. If everyone thinks the same and you have the same ideas, we're not going to get better designs. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think it's needed for the growth. Yeah, exactly. For the overall growth of the company, it's a needed attitude and approach to take. 100%. Cool. Um, and why do you think racial equality is important within data? So we understand why it's, well, we talk now about important in industry, why it's important from a from a global human perspective. But why do you think, I guess, looking at data and looking at the way data is growing recently, why do you think that's that's necessary there? So, so I think it's important to understand your uh, demographics, to understand you know what's important, um, and actually going back to my point around you know understanding your data around race, mm-hmm. we need to split it, we need to break it down. This is my big thing. You know, we need to go by you know whether it be the census categories or you know whatever differences that we want to highlight, but we can't group racial data based on this BME, you know, uh, grouping. Box. Yeah, because it doesn't help you to understand your challenges. If we look at an organization and the challenges that people from South Asian backgrounds, Asian backgrounds, Black backgrounds face, it'll be different. Mm. But to understand your data and where people are dropping off, where people are, you know, having challenges in progressing and all those kind of elements, we need to break it down. So it's, it's crucial and important to understand it from that perspective. Similarly, from understanding it from a commercial perspective, when we're looking at data, our outreach, we, we need to understand the different demographics of the ethnicity to understand what time and what, what when you know, different interventions are suitable. Similarly, to, to, to give you an example, there's, there's a lot of, as you know, it's been, uh, you know, it's Black History Month, there's a lot of work going on. It was Diwali. And so all this sort of stuff, if we're looking at data of you know, customer trends, all those kind of things, we need to break it down. Otherwise, it's not going to paint the picture for us. Or we'll end up producing stuff that's not necessarily uh, engaging for all your customer base because it's not at the right time. So it is important, but it's to break that data down. That's the key thing, rather than this box that we created that we want to put everyone under. So it sounds like you're going back to the, the ultimate point of understanding your data to improve your data and make useful points out of it, exactly. rather than just having a tag of, of racial diversity. It's to understand the crux of what your data is. Exactly, about. exactly. And then do you know what? That actually goes, uh, you know, we're talking about racial uh, equality here, but it's, it's with all data. You have to break yeah. it down. Yeah. Even with the gender data, um, <clears throat> people look at gender, but what about a black female or a, you know, Asian female? Mm. They're, they're facing two different challenges, right? But unless you break your data down, you're not capturing it in the right way. So data is important, but it's understanding your data. That's the key thing. Otherwise, you you know, success could look, um, can, can be very, uh, you know, from the example I gave you around recruitment, mm. you're looking at success and you're saying that you're successful, but you're not really representative of your communities because the data you're using is not accurate. Mm. That's, I mean, that's an interesting point. So what do you think the future of the industry would look like if all demographics aren't represented fairly? Well, then you end up missing a lot of people, right? And you're still with the same challenges that we're facing around diversity, inclusion, and belonging, which is, you know, you're not either recruiting yeah. diverse talent yeah. or you're not retaining that diverse talent or you're not progressing it. So the future would look like, you know, you'd have artificial representation, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be true representation of your demographics. You know, it, it, it's like saying, for example, uh, and I'll give you an example back to my time in the public service. You know, there's always this notion that there's, there's senior officers who are from, uh, you know, Bain backgrounds. They were, and they were from South Asia. 
I'm not, so that's not representative of me in any way. But there's that line where they think, oh, that person's like you. So I, I guess that the future would be um, not very representative, and that would have a knock-on impact on both your uh, recruitment, retention and progression, and actually from uh, from an external perspective on your brand image. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hammer the nail too much, but we're going back to the point that you just become stagnant. You, know, yeah. you will inevitably become stagnant. Of course, of course. And you, you will not be able to grow if you can't understand your data and all its differences. Yeah. You know, if you just look at it from, from one angle, you'll continuously come, come out with the same conclusions. Um, it's only when you break it down. And, and do you know, one of the challenges, I, which I should mention, mm. is is the fear around breaking the data down, yeah. right? That, oh, God, this will be a lot of data. Yeah. How do we manage it? What will we do with it? But are we doing anything with it now? We're not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruby McGregor-Smith, Brian Ruby McGregor-Smith, did a report a couple of years back around the, um, due to the lack of ethnic minority representation, the country's losing something like 26 billion a year. Now... That's not changed. You know, I still hear us speaking about this and, and, you know, the change is not happening because we're not breaking it down. We're not understanding our data. And, and if we don't, we will be having the same conversation in years to come and wondering why we're we not representative in our workforce or the communities we serve or the communities that we engage with. So we talked about this, this fear you've mentioned mm-hmm. and almost this barrier to, to talk about race and the kind of avoidance of the topic, I guess. Um, if you could do something right now or the next couple of months, what would you do to rapidly change racial inequality in the industry and, and bring forth this conversation? So I guess it's two things. And one is about having the conversations, right? I think we're not having enough of those conversations, whether it be uh, in the boardrooms or as, as teams or even wider mm. uh, because of this fear that I mentioned, right? And uh, we need to go beyond that fear. We need to be able to have open and transparent conversations around race. Now, the, the key thing there is from, from two angles. Number one, as I said, the intent has to be right. I don't expect anyone who's not of my background to know everything about my background or okay. how to address me or to talk to me. Absolutely. But if you ask with the right intent, I will not get offended. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is even from a BME or BAME, if we can use that term, perspective, it's about allowing or taking this opportunity to um, actually, you know, uh, support your yourself in the workplace. So we carry sometimes, and I can say this from an ethnic minority perspective, we, we sometimes carry our sort of history of inequality with us. And that's not dismissing the, the, the history, it's there. But actually, if we're going to make progress, it is time to actually step forward and take opportunities and look at how we can educate workplaces and support workplaces in, 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 in racial equality and not hold on to the past. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not dismissing the past, Absolutely. but it's making that, that progress. So I think those are the two key things. Um, and it's also having um, some of the difficult conversations. You know, nothing, when we look at gender, people are willing to have any conversation around that. We need to reach that stage with, with race, mm-hmm. have the conversations which are not comfortable, understand why. Um, and we don't have to agree. That's the other beauty of, of, of this. You know, people think diversity is about us all thinking the same. We can learn to disagree in a respectful way. That's what's crucial. But if we're not having the conversations, there's no progress that's being made. Mm. For me, that's all part of bringing your authentic self to work. I think that's a really nice phrase. I'm going to pinch that, actually. Sure. How, how, finally, I guess, what, what <clears throat> advice would you give to somebody who wants to bring their authentic self to work, likes what you're saying, understands what you're saying, but is struggling to, to, to do that? What does that mean? How, how can sure. you bring your authentic self to work? Sure. So, so I think it's, it's, it's interesting, this whole concept of uh, bringing your authentic self, right? Mm. Now, really and truly, 
I, I don't think anyone brings 100% of their true self to work, right? Mm-hmm. The way the way we behave on the weekends, not that I'm saying it's, a, it's in a bad way, but we don't bring that 100%. Sure. However, the crucial thing is, firstly, that choice should lie with the individual, not the organization. You know, so it should be up to me how much of my authentic self I want to bring. Now, how do I bring my authentic self is through an environment that's created that allows me to be different and valued for being different. So I don't have to adapt to, to the norm. When I used to work in financial services, everyone dressed in suits, ties, black shoes. You can wear brown shoes, you can do this, you can do that. That's not allowing people to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to create that environment for individuals to be able to bring their authentic self. And I think where, where, this, um, where this is even more important, actually, is when you look at the general, gen, gen, generational changes in the workplace, younger generations are not going to accept it as a, you know, I can't bring my authentic self. To them, it's a given. Inclusion's Absolutely. a given. So unless you create that environment that they, they can bring their difference, uh, they're not going to join your organisations. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the bottom line. So I guess it's, it's important for organisations but to create that environment, because to allow people to come, I can convince anyone to bring their authentic self, but if they come into work and the environment's not ready for it, they will be uh, quite disheartened and might even leave. Mm-hmm. But to create that is not about talking about what's important to the other. It's about talking about what's important to you. We need authentic leaders who talk about their human elements. A lot of leaders within organizations will, uh, you've probably come across leaders sending out you know, uh, monthly bulletins. They're very professional, talking about how much money a company's made, what's changing, all that sort of stuff. What people want to hear is something authentic about that leader. What do they do on the weekend? Something about their family, something different about them. Because what that does is it gives others permission to then bring their true self to work. Mm -hmm. But we have to display those characteristics in what we do as leaders within organizations, then others will follow. Amazing. I agree. Some great points with that. I think what you're saying is it comes from... It comes from the top, it comes from the environment we've made and leaders are striving that. And then it's, you know, the other thing just on that is, um, and even when it comes to actually talking about race, one of the points which I think is also really important, is we don't only need to talk about good news. There's this perception amongst a lot of companies that we can only celebrate when things are perfect. No, we can celebrate even when things are not that good. Talking about things that you're working on and trying to improve actually creates that genuine trust amongst your teams and your Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we don't have to get race right to talk about it. We can talk about the fact that we've got gaps. We're not good, but how can we improve it? And you know, that is such a positive message for your people than just talking about the good stuff. And, and that's the shift in culture because a lot of organizations will only talk about good. So realness. It's a requirement exactly. for realness. Exactly. Because people people are like that. People want genuine, authentic, you know, true conversations. And and actually no, everyone knows that when it comes to race, it's not perfect. But actually, would you if someone from an ethnic minority background sees their company and talk about the good stuff, they will not believe that the company is doing anything to, to, to move the dial. But if they talk about where the challenges lie, what they're trying to improve, it's a lot more capturing. Great. Thank you very much. Some really interesting points raised there. Um, so thank you for tuning in to our second episode of the Data Balance Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to follow us on Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud and join us next month for more conversations on diversity in data. Steve, thank you very much. Thank you for having me.